Welcome to Map Traps Legal Briefs, the podcast where we explore specific strategies and tactics used by brands to protect their pricing, distribution, and intellectual property rights. The information in this podcast is provided for general informational purposes only. It is not legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and Map Traps guest presenters. Listeners should seek legal advice from a lawyer licensed in the listener's state. Welcome to another episode of Map Traps Legal Briefs podcast, where we explore specific strategies and tactics used by brands to protect their pricing, distribution, and intellectual property. As usual, joining us by telephone is Jeremy Richardson from Smith Gambrell. He's an expert on consumer products. But we also have a special guest today. We have with us Todd Dittman. Todd is the executive director of IndiePet a nonprofit trade association whose mission is to empower independent and neighborhood pet retailers to work together as peers for the well-being of pets and pet owners as they maintain a strong, sustainable, and growing place at the heart of the pet industry. Now, Todd's role is to implement the board of directors' strategic plan and run the operating committees who are initiating the plan. So, Todd, you have some specific questions that were posed by your members, uh, and maybe we can tackle one of them today. Thanks, Ron. Really appreciate uh, you having me on the the podcast. This is a great way to um, really address some of the uh, issues that um, the independent retailers have that have joined our association. Um, in the, at the beginning of our association, we before we even had a strategic plan for me to to manage, uh, we did a survey. And uh, we surveyed all of uh, the independent retailers that we could grab at the uh, SuperZoo a couple of years ago and, and found that one of the biggest issues out there for them, not only for them, but also for the brands in the independent sector, is, is that of map pricing and map pricing violations. And um, so the reality of it is, you know, we, we see our competitors at Amazon and Chewy um, discounting and, and going below pricing, map pricing, and my members want to know, well, why can't I? Okay, Amazon and Chewy are discounting. Why can't I? Uh, you know, that's a great question. And pet stores aren't the only ones that ask that. I mean, they're certainly the only ones that ask that about Chewy, but other industries have larger retailers online who seem to get away with more violations than the more specialty uh, oriented segment of online sellers. But I think Jeremy really can answer this best, Jeremy. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Ron. And Todd, so nice to meet you. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, yeah, it is, a, it is a great question. It is an issue that comes up quite often. And sadly, for the retailer's perspective, the answer really is there's not a lot you can do about it, or there isn't anything actually you can do about it. Um, brand owners can enforce their map policies unevenly. They can give, uh, well, it's hard to say preferential treatment, but they can allow violations to go on for some retailers, not enforce the MAP policy, but as to other retailers, uh, enforce the first, second, and third. Uh, it really is up to the brand, and that's because of what courts call the business judgment rule. Courts are not going to impose their own judgment for the company's decision-making process, and courts understand that it really is the business owner's 
uh, and operators that are best able to make decisions for their companies. So is it, uh, is it fair? I don't know, but uh, certainly there's no legal recourse uh, to, to address that. I have a quick question for you. Um, this brings up a question that we hear from retailers all the time. Okay, so you've got a map policy, but I bought the product. Don't I own it? Uh, can't I sell it, do whatever I want with that product? I think generally, broadly speaking, the answer is yes. There, there are some exceptions to that. Uh, we've talked about trademark infringement um, and the first sale doctrine uh, and material differences. So, you know, you as a retailer have to continue to sell a brand's products in the way that the uh, that reflects uh, the brand's image appropriately. Um, but the answer is you, as the retailer, you set the price, uh, you can uh, choose to abide by the MAP policy or not, and then it's up to the brand owner. If you don't abide by the MAP policy, uh, it's up to the brand owner to decide whether to enforce it or not, and by enforcing it, that could include stopping all sales to you in the future. So uh, thanks for that, Jeremy. The, the you know, IndyPet is trying to address the idea of bringing a light to these violations. Um, once, once we're able to do that, what can a retailer do once they see that maybe they're a part of it or they um, are a victim of it They or <laughs> one of their suppliers is um, a violator? Well, I like to think uh, or I hope that the retailers and the brand owners will act in partnership and act in a mutual best interest uh, and come up with creative ways to uh, address these issues. Often we see that discounting is occurring on the mass side, uh, at least at a greater level than on the independent store side. So independent stores could work with brand owners to come up with um, different packaging that is specific to a distribution channel, specific to the independent stores, um, and by different packaging, not just markings, not just color, but size. Uh, instead of the 50-pound bag of dog food that goes to the mass market retailer, uh, have that brand owner make smaller packaging, four pound, six pound, eight pound, something else that is not going to the mass market. Uh, and there is a point of distinction and you can't compete uh, with those different size packages. Perhaps even come up with a different brand name. Uh, brand owners often I'm not sure the word is right, cannibalize, but you know, do things to uh, differentiate their mark, use a separate mark for different distribution channels. And even though the product inside the bag is really the same, the branding, the image, the packaging is different. You know, that's that's a great solution. Uh, not all brands can afford to do that. Not all brands are going to be willing to do that. But this is the classic uneven playing field scenario that specialty, I mean, it it really is universal this on, on, uneven uh, playing field. But that's not to say that the retailers are are victims with no recourse in this whole equation. Uh, you know, manufacturers need retailers, obviously. It's a symbiotic relationship. So there are certain things that smaller retailers can do. Everybody's driven by the need to make money. And so the larger guys are getting bigger discounts, which gives them more margin to play with. Uh, and then the specialty companies, they want the same discounts, but it's not practical. They're not giving, they're not buying the same amount of product. So buying groups is one option that other industries have adopted. 
Uh, I'm sure there are some in the pet industry, and that gives smaller retailers some leverage uh, and some better margins. And perhaps a retailer won't sell to Chewy and Amazon if they know they can make just as much money from the indie pet retailer population. That's another option. Also, retailers can do a job of vetting brands, right? They can ask certain questions. Do you have a map? Do you enforce that map? Do you sell to Chewy and Amazon? Do you enforce it against Chewy and Amazon? Literally ask, do you cut them off? Uh, They can find out how many online sellers they have. Do they have an authorized reseller program? And so a bunch of boxes can be checked before that retailer engages with the brand. Another option is that, of course, they can just buy less. Buy less product so that you're sitting on less inventory. Um, There may be some things, I think, Jeremy, you may be able to weigh in on this. I know that some of the larger retailers have clawback provisions uh, and they have leverage. So they'll go to a brand and they'll say, all right, I will buy it for X and I will attempt to honor your map. But if I can't because market forces drive the price down and I have to lower my price because of that, you at the end of the day are going to give me a rebate. Now, a smaller retailer wouldn't necessarily have that kind of leverage to do it because the brand or distributor will say, go away. But is there something on that same level they might be able to try? Yeah, again, depending upon the retailer's negotiation power, uh, you know, we talk about this as markdown dollars uh, in uh, in the retail world, at least uh, in certain segments of the retail world. Uh, and it's basically a, a margin guarantee. So if uh, if the retailer is forced for various reasons to discount to uh, uh, to sell below whatever the MSRP is, uh, the retailer may demand markdown dollars from the manufacturer. Uh, it's 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 pretty common, especially among the more powerful retailers. Uh, other options for the retailer may be if if uh, if there are other brands that are really violating MAP and making it difficult for us to make margin, we have a, a put option to take our inventory and send it back to you. Uh, if I were the brand, I'd be really careful about selling large supplies many, many months uh, if, if that agreement is in place. But something else just to be creative that a retailer could do to uh, to protect itself. And could that be based on, on expiration dates or uh, warranties? Yeah, so that's actually a really interesting point here. Uh, we're talking about uh, often food, uh, which has a certain shelf life, and we want to be very careful that as a retailer that we're not uh, stuck with a lot of inventory after the expiration date. So there again, uh, I, I would be careful about how much as a retailer I purchase from a brand owner, and from the brand owner's perspective, I'd be careful how many months of inventory I'm delivering to a retailer at one time. Because if I'm going to have to refund that retailer, I don't want to sell them or deliver them a year's supply of product on something that has a six-month shelf life. Todd, does that answer your questions at all? Uh, I know it's not necessarily a a bright-eyed and and rainbows, uh, but I I think maybe there are some good options. Yeah, so it sounds like uh, uh, what you're saying is, you know, to build your your network of... of, your your supply chain and and really trust them and the best way to do that is to uh, contact your your trade association executive director to help you out. <laughs> that is a great idea. Um, 
Okay. Well, thank you very much, Todd. Uh, excellent meeting you. Glad to hear some of the questions from your from your retailers. I know that we're going to do at least another podcast with you soon. Uh, and Jeremy, again, thank you for your expertise and your knowledge. And thank you to listeners for uh, listening to another episode of Legal Briefs. And as usual, if you have any recommendations or questions, feel free to email us at legalbriefs at maptrap.com. Have a good day. If you'd like to submit a question or topic for a Legal Briefs podcast, email them to legalbriefs at maptrap.com. For more information about how MapTrap can help you with your online brand protection needs, visit www.maptrap.com.